Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's edition of What Did I Just Hear, a follow-along podcast for Trinity UMC's CrossConnect service. Before we can discuss what we heard from the sermon, first we have to hear the sermon. If you have already listened to this week's sermon, please feel free to skip ahead. Otherwise, please enjoy this clip from this Sunday's morning service. So today, again, we're starting this journey with the story. And you know, we, we read uh, novels, some of us. Uh, we all watch TV or movies or something probably, uh, whichever one we do. When we read a book, uh, we don't just open it up or, or pull it up on our Kindle and just read one chapter. When, when we go to watch a movie, we don't just, you know, fast forward to scene 13 and then turn it off. We, we read the entire novel. We watch the entire movie. Yet, when we read the scripture, when we read the Bible, so often we do the exact opposite. We open it up and we flip to one particular passage. And we read that passage and we determine the lesson that it teaches us. And, and then we close it up and move on to the next. And, and it's possible that we can go through our entire lives without reading the entire story of God's word. And, and in one way, this makes sense. Uh, there are millions, bajillions of lessons that, that we can find throughout the scriptures. However, there is also this overarching and all-encompassing story that the Lord has spoken through the scripture, that this, the Bible is collectively telling a story about who God is, a story about who we are in relationship to God. And it is a story that is so rich and so multifaceted. And it's one that, that it's hard to capture with just a, a brief description. And so when we limit ourselves to the one passage, the one chapter, the one verse, One, we are missing the beautiful and grand and powerful and amazing and overarching story that the Bible tells. And often it can be easy for us to misinterpret that one verse or that one passage or that one chapter because we have taken it out of the story. And so these are the reasons that here at CrossConnect, we are committing ourselves to journey through the entire story from beginning to end. Today, we have available a bookmark that kind of lets you see the path. You know, this is our map. This is where we're going. You know, if, if you're planners like me, you, you, you need to know where we're going. All right, so there's one of those that's here. If you're worshiping online, we'll get you one. Um, but but this, it, it maps how we are walking this story Together, and, and we are taking this journey intergenerationally adults, youth, kids, little kids, um, and multifacetedly. Not sure that's a word, but we're going to claim it today. Uh, we're doing that through sermons, we're doing that through small groups. Some started today, one starts next week, one starts tonight. Um, and our kids, and our, again, our, our, uh, we're doing that through there's even a podcast that you'll be hearing more about later uh, that, that's going to be tied to this. So we are, we are trying to, to lay this out and to make it as accessible as possible because we believe that this foundation is extremely important. And that's why we want to lay it as firmly as we can. And so today, the story begins. And it begins 
where all good stories start. In the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. God also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creature that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. 
God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth. And every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it. I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all of the work that he had created and done. God made the seventh day holy to enjoy, enjoy what he had made. And so that what God had made could enjoy him. The Sabbath, the rest, the pleasure, the joy of being together. And so as we enter into this time of worship, may we enjoy God. May we enjoy the beauty of God's creation. May we enjoy the beauty of God's humanity made in God's image. And may we enjoy that God enjoys you. So one of the things that's different about the story, if you read chapter one before you got here, or if you read it later on, what you're going to find is that it takes you through nine chapters of the book of Genesis, chapter one, all the way through chapter nine, uh, which maybe you've read before all in one sitting. Uh, but a lot of times we don't. We'll read, again, like a passage at a time. And so we, we learn a lot in chapter one. We see a lot in chapter one. We, uh, we have a lot revealed to us in this first chapter. And, and the creation story that we have heard in its entirety right now uh, this morning, what the creation story reveals to us are, are a lot of things about God's nature. And we're not going to be able to cover them all today, but just to hit some of those high points, uh, one of the things that we learn, one of the things that is revealed to us, one of the things that we see is, is that God is powerful. Um, with with what, what we see in the scripture is God said, and then it was. 
God, God spoke it and it was so. Um, just with God's words, God is able to create. I mean, you know, not just like, like a, a sheet of paper. Like God is cr- able to create the entire universe with a word. So, so we see God's power revealed to us in this story. God's ability, what God can do just with a word. Uh, what we also see is, is God's creativity. Uh, the vastness of God's creativity, the amazingness of God's creativity, the diversity of God's creativity, and the intricacies of God's creativity. Because um, something that I don't know if I've told y'all, but like I, there, there is a little bit, a bit of creative bones in my body. Um, I was actually, uh, before God called me into ministry, studying uh, art and art history. And so I've dabbled a little bit in painting and photography and uh, other things of that nature. And, and the, the ability to create and to do so in such a, a broad and a vast way I, it just amazes me when I, when I look at God's creation and just the, the colors that are there and the details that are there and, and the diversity that is there. I mean, you know, when you go from just like the smallest little creepy crawliest thing to the glory of the heavens and everything in between, when we look at at humanity and how God has designed our bodies and and the things that that our bodies do and and how it's all woven together, I mean, it it is just overwhelming and and awe-inspiring when we take a moment to just reflect on the beauty and, and the vastness of God's creation. So, so we see that here in, in this story. What we see also, what, we, what is revealed to us is, is the joy and the pleasure that God has in what God has made, sharing in, in all of that with us. We see that, that after everything God made, God said, it was good. I mean, can you imagine after God created all this stuff and just kind of like looking back, you know, and, and, and I, can, I can relate to that just a little bit, you know, it's some of the paintings that I've made and like the ones that I'm the most proud of, the ones that are willing to be hung on a wall and not thrown in the trash, you know, or when I look at, at my children and to sit back and say, wow, like this is good. This is good. And every day with everything that God made, God just relished in it. God enjoyed it. God found pleasure in it. This is good. Good, God said. Um, God enjoyed it and marked an entire period of time to just enjoy what God had made. Well, we also find in the creation story is is that God has this special desire for a relationship with humanity, a relationship with you and me, with us. Uh, God, when God created us, there's a difference in how we are created. We are made in God's image, uh, in, in God's likeness, we were created. Male and female, we were created. So, so God, there's something about when God made us that, that is unique, 
that, it, that is different from the rest of creation. Our, our capacity, our, um, our abilities, our relationship. God blessed humanity, we see in the creation story. To, to be fruitful and to increase and to fill the earth and to subdue it, we were given also a special purpose different from the rest of creation. A special task, a special role, a special ability in this relationship that we have with God. This amazing partnership. And if we had continued to read on, what we see is that that God even gave Adam the ability to name every other creature and every other thing on the planet. So again, this, this relationship that God desires with us is special and unique and beautiful. And we find that here in the creation story. What we also learn as we continue to read is that God loves us so much that God gave us the ability to choose. We call it free will in church talk, right? But God gave us the ability to, to, to choose. And, and, and what we see is that, that God doesn't control us like a puppet or a puppeteer with a puppet. We have the ability to say yes or no to what God lays out in front of us. Uh, God has, has given us freedom to choose God or to not choose God. And, and again, this is, this is out of that special relationship, out of that love that God has for us, not to control us, not to force us, not to make us do anything that we don't want to do. And so God has created this beautiful place, this beautiful universe, and has placed Adam and Eve, as we keep reading, into this perfect location, the garden where every need is met, where there's no pain, where there's no suffering, where they have perfect communion with God. But God, in the middle of that garden, places a tree a tree of choice, a tree of the knowledge of good and evil and gives us the ability, the freedom, the power to say yes or to say no. And so the more they walked around that tree, it began to call their name. That temptation began to come up and questioning God. You know, God's given us all this, but there's that tree that he said not to touch. It's there. And so like, it, is God holding back on us with that tree? Is God not giving us everything that we could have with that tree? Is God telling the truth? Is God trustworthy? That is the heart of what digs in to the heart of Adam and Eve. Can we, can we really trust that what God has given us here, that what God is providing for us, that it's enough, that it's the best, that it's what we really want? Adam and Eve let those thoughts consume them and... So do we. Is this path that God has laid out for me, is it really enough? 
Is it really the best? Could there be more? And so, Adam and Eve, they took the bait. They ate the fruit. They walked through the door. when Adam and Eve walked through that door of temptation, they opened up the floodgates of evil. And they also experienced for the very first time the consequences of choosing something other than God. They lost an innocence. They lost that perfect, balanced provided for communion with God and the realities of evil, pain, limits, separation became their reality. It was painful for God and it was frightening so much so that they hid for humanity. And, and, and what, we, what we can sometimes miss when the story continues is, is that God, even in the midst of all of this, even when Adam and Eve walked through that door and chose something other than God, God still worked to provide for them, to protect them. God knew that they needed to be separated from the tree of life that was also in the garden. To be, to be separated from, from this reality that they had just entered to being eternal. So, so God puts them outside the garden so that it's not an eternal reality. God established consequences that, uh, for evil, for the choices that were not God. And these were ways that when we, when we make a step that's not God and we get hit in the face with those consequences, it's meant to wake us up. Whoa. We just stepped out of a line with God's will and God's way and God's heart and God's relationship. Let's maybe turn back to the path. Those consequences, they are a warning for us. And then it says that God tenderly fashioned garments for them so that when they walked out of that separation from God, that they would have what they needed to be protected. As the story continues, we discover that evil multiplies. It's evil after evil after evil. And it starts with the, mur- the jealousy and the murder of, of Cain and Abel. And then we get to the place uh, where, we, where it starts the story of Noah that many of us are likely familiar with. And what it says there in the story is, is that every inclination, every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. So, so in a short period of time, evil had just exploded. And it said that we we get to hear how God felt, that, that the Lord regretted. The Lord regretted that he had made humans on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. Now it's hard to hear that sin can make God feel that intensely. 
right? My sin can crush God's heart. And in this moment, so much so that God regretted even making humanity at this point in the story, right? And, and, and so when we let those words sink in, I mean, do you feel that? The pain that God feels when we don't choose him and choose his ways. And, and then we hear that, but, but there was Noah, the one Noah, Noah who loved God, who was righteous, who walked with the Lord faithfully. And so God decided, you know, I, I regret all this, but I'm just going to hit the reset button with Noah. And, and I'm going to let him bring his family. And we're just going to pull in like one, two of each of these animals that are out there. And we're, we're just going to hit the reset button. That's what that's, was God's choice at this point in the story. And so the ark and the flood and all those things, you know, that are all there. And, and, and then God sent rain and it destroyed all the earth, all the living creatures that God had just beautifully made and enjoyed and was so grateful. And as they were destroyed, it crushed it crushed God's heart. It crushed him. And what we see after the flood, after the land has dried and the water has gone away, after Noah and the animals get off the ark, God says to Noah, and you can find these words on page 11 in the story. You can also find them in Genesis 8 and 9. God says this, Never again. Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you. And with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds and the livestock and the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth, I establish my covenant with you never again. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant. I am making between me and you and every living creature with you a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and I will remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. This covenant that God makes, this is the first of a few that we're gonna find as we go through this story. A covenant that God makes, it's different than the promises that you and I make. When God makes a covenant, when God makes a promise, God never goes back on it. When God says it, he means it. And he means what he says. God's covenant is never breaking. And so yes, in this story, in this part of the, the, the plot, we see where God has, has made us and just relishes and enjoys us. 
And then because we have turned so far away from him, it crushes God's heart. And he regrets making us save the Noah. And then God decides to hit the restart button and destroys it all. And it crushes God to do it. And so he says, never again. Never again. I don't care how bad they get. I don't care how many times they turn away from me. Never again. Never again will I do this to my people. Never again will I do this to my creation. They are too precious to me. Never again. And so here's my covenant, which I give you with a sign in the clouds, a rainbow that every time it rains, that rainbow appears to remind us of God's faithfulness, to remind us of God's promise that never no matter how far we turn, no matter how far we get away from him, never again, never again. That is our promise. That is, what we, that is what we see. That is what we find in the beginning of this story. How beautiful, how amazing God's creation is, how precious we are and this promise. That this relationship that we have that is special and unique and powerful that it is dependent not on what we do, but it is dependent on God, God's faithfulness, God's promises, God's covenant. And every time we see that rainbow in the clouds, that is what we remember, that God is faithful. Maybe we remember too that it crushes God's heart when we turn away from him, that, that it hurts God when we do that, but never again, never again will he destroy us because of it. The story keeps going. The story keeps going. Where that reckless love, this is just the beginning. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, wow. Thank you for all that you've made. Thank you for the beauty of your creation and that we are part of it. Thank you that you have chosen us to be in this special and beautiful and unique relationship with you. Thank you that we can see that no matter how far we turn away, that your faithfulness never ends. That your promises are steady and true. And that every time, that rainbow appears, Lord. We are reminded of how much you love us. May we live into this covenant. May we honor this covenant. May we be inspired by this covenant to be reminded that we break your heart when we choose against you, but you always give us a way back. Your faithfulness is what endures. What a gift. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. We stand in awe of you. And Lord, we seek to be people of the covenant. In the name of Christ, amen. Now that you've listened to the sermon, let's dive into this week's episode. 
But first, we're going to start with my favorite part of the podcast, the 60-second sermon summary. And uh, if they don't get it done in time, we'll let them know. Let's see what you can do, John. Yeah, so uh, the, the sermon started with uh, Carrie giving the creation story as is written in uh, the story and emphasized that uh, the story covers nine chapters of Genesis, the first nine chapters of the Bible, and, and one chapter of the story emphasizing that on um, the seventh day it was set aside for rest and enjoyment of creation. Uh, she mentioned that the creation story reveals several aspects of the nature of God, uh, the power of God. God said, and it was good. God's create creativity with an emphasis on uh, appreciating how much creativity is there when you think about it. Joy in creation. Uh, he said it was good. A desire for relationship with humanity. Uh, and the fact that he loves us enough to give us all free will. Uh, and and then we went into uh, a, the story more of Adam and Eve, uh, and they, they chose to, to take that that extra free will, and had to deal with the consequences. Um, and then, But even after that sin, God still took care of them and looked after them. Uh, and then we went through Noah and uh, what all happened. <laughs> Wasn't too far. Good try, John. Fell just a little bit short. All right, Tyler, let's hear your 60-second sermon summary. Okay. Genesis, chapters 1 through 9. Day 1, Big Bang, Light and Dark. Day 2, Water from Water, a.k.a. Vaulted Sky. Day 3, Sea from Land. Fruit and vegetation. Day four, day from night, sun and moon and stars. Day five, water creatures and birds in the sky. Ostriches, question mark. Day six, land creatures and humankind. Day seven, rest and enjoy what he created. Uh, God is powerful. God created many different things from the smallest thing to the biggest thing. Uh, he gave us free will. He created humankind, Adam and Eve. Uh, they gave into temptation, ate from the tree, tree of fruit and evil. Tr- fruit of the tree of good and evil. Gosh, that really cut into my time. Uh, evil multiplied after they got kicked out of the garden. Cain murdered Abel. Uh, God started to regret making humans. Uh, God got Noah and his family to build an ark. Uh, they got two of every animal. They got on the ark. God hit the reset button by flooding the earth. Then he made a covenant with mankind that he would never destroy the earth again. There. Boom. Did it. Nailed it. Wow. wow. Tyler's never talked that fast before in his life. <laughs> Felt like an auctioneer. <laughs> and with some time to spare. All right. Good job, Tyler. Uh, so let's start in the beginning. And... Uh, Start with, uh, what do you guys think of when you think of uh, the creation story? Or what do you guys think that society thinks of when we think of the creation story? I mean, I think society probably thinks it's, quote, maybe I should specify non-Christian secular, secular society, society uh, views the creation story as maybe just another myth. Out, outdated would be a word that I would use. Scientifically inaccurate. That would be a good one. I was thinking that if you ask somebody, you know, about the start of the uh, planet, that they, from a Christian view, they would probably go with, you know, seven days. It took seven days, and God rested on the seventh day. I feel like most people pretty much respond to there were seven days, and He rested on the seventh day. I don't think anybody really, or the average person, would be able to tell you exactly what happened on each on each day. Would they, or would they not tell me that the Earth was six thousand years old? I mean, depends on which which branch. Yeah, which branch of Christianity you're talking about. Yeah, I agree. I think most people are going to say seven days. Um, you probably have the Adam and Eve in the garden, and then um, maybe something with a certain serpent, and then the fall. Uh, so, can you guys speak to what the fall is when people reference that as? later in this uh, uh and story. was it a literal fall <laughs> <laughs> no it's uh so it's like the fall is short for the fall of man right so uh when when the serpent tempted eve 
uh, and she gave in to that temptation to taste the fruit, which, Will, what kind of fruit was it? Uh, we determined that the Bible doesn't actually say exactly which fruit it was, but it was likely a fig, um, because, because the first leaf that they covered themselves with are fig leaves, which is what it actually does say in the Bible. There you go. You heard it here first, people. So... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so the the fall of of man is uh, is when Adam and Eve gave in to temptation and tried the the fruit from the tree of good and evil, um, because the serpent, who was not Satan, it was it was just a serpent which had legs, because God took away the legs as a punishment for the serpent making them try the or telling them to try the fruit. Uh, so so all those stained glass windows are inaccurate. Yeah, any, any stained glass window where the snake doesn't have legs is. It's not accurate because the snake had legs until God took them away, right? That's how it works. Uh, again, scientifically inaccurate, but it's, it's part of the creation story. So um, where was I? The fall of man, right. So uh, once once God realized that, uh, that they had eaten from the tree um, because they had clothed themselves and they were aware that they were naked, uh, God kicks them out of the garden. So that's anything to add? No, I think that... that that covers it. I mean, I think there's a lot of. Oh yeah, that covers it. Ha 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 ha. It's a fig leaf joke. Yeah, yeah. It's a pun. I I don't know where, where I was going with anything, Dad. But yeah, that 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 covers. I think probably the the broad understanding of it. So then that brings us to another one of the uh, churchy terms that I I wanted to bring up. We talked about Carrie in the sermon actually said free will in church talk um so what do you what is typically meant by free will in church talk will you want to take it uh, i'll start off with it and i'll let john uh fill in the holes there um so typically in the church with free will we talk about the idea that god being an all-powerful all-knowing all-present god um has kind of a plan set out for you. It's like a, a universal plan that you don't really have any choice in. You're going to make certain decisions, and God has said that, that that's what's going to happen, and that's, that's my plan for you to make these decisions. Free will is more of the idea that God has kind of provided for you, you know, what you're born with, your talents, your gifts, and things like that, and then you're free to make your own decisions, um, and that's kind of the church version of free will. You get to choose you know, what you're going to do in this case, either eat from the tree of the knowledge of good or evil and not do that. And that was uh, a, a, one of the points that Carrie made in the sermon is uh, one of the aspects of the nature of God that, that the creation story gives you is uh, that he loves us enough to let us make those choices. We can either choose to, to, to be in a relationship with him or choose not to be uh, and rather than, you know, being just a bunch of robots and, you know, puppets doing what, what God wants us to, to be doing. I don't, I don't want to take Patrick's job, but uh, you mentioned that God loves us, which is a human emotion. And another thing that Carrie uh, talked about was the, the level of emotion that he must have expressed. Uh, once, once they were kicked out of the garden and evil started to multiply and... Cain became jealous of Abel, and so he murdered Abel, and then, you know, a bunch of other stuff happened between then and Noah, but eventually God got to the point where he was so angry at human at humankind that he decided to wipe out the earth. So, you you know, he has that love emotion, 
but then also he has other human emotions such as anger and so, frustration right frustration all the whole spectrum so i guess that leads into the question is it is it difficult to understand how he could have those emotions or wh- how do you i don't know how do you reconcile um, or does he have those emotions does he that, have those emotions we just, or are we just projecting right we just projected them all but I mean, going into the future, I believe, isn't it? He tells, is it Moses? I believe he says, "I'm a jealous God," which is, I mean, that's yeah, that's that's when he's that's, he's talking about the false idols, right? right. It's like I, that, that's a, in, in those terms, it's him telling Moses that I have a human or an emotion that is similar to what you would, you know, experience as jealousy. Well, no, maybe quick, quick aside, when you say false idols, can you explain that real quick, and then we'll go into it more in depth later? Okay, so in Genesis, there is one God, and he created the, the earth. False idols are gods that are worshipped that are not the God that created the earth. Or representations, or re- like yeah. statues and yeah. stuff like that. so we can get into saints and that kind of thing we'll, later. We'll but, get into that later. Yeah, but. Uh, just wanted to clear that up for anyone listening who might not know the terminology of false idols. Yeah, okay. so. yeah. John, I think you had something. Yeah, um, maybe one one point, and, and it may be just me being too simple-minded about it, but the idea of God having emotions doesn't and never really has bothered me because I have emotions. And, you know, if I can have them, why, why can't he have them? And... I think it was in this passage where it says people are made in the image of God, or at least the first people were made in the image of God. So the idea of people having emotions and being made in the image of God doesn't seem like a big stretch to say, oh, maybe God has emotions too. Yeah, made in his likeness, made in his image, the e- either way or however you translate it, that does, that, that follows through really well. Good I call. Mean, they even define God a lot of times as God is love, which it's stereotypically an emotion so it's kind of an interesting you know definition okay well cool um one of the questions we had uh coming into this or a reader question maybe would have been why is it a big deal or is it a big deal of what things happened each day and in particular um, the day of rest or the day of celebration. I know uh, having been around the church, I've heard many different sermons about the idea of rest and the importance of rest. Um, so I don't know. I feel like this could be a good time to kind of speak to that and why that sometimes gets called out as something that's important as part of this story. Well, I mean, you know, honing in on the, the rest aspect of that, that's something I mean, you, you look around at, at any you know, common contemporary study of society and a lot of problems. None of us are sleeping enough. People are too stressed. People don't get enough rest. And, uh, I mean, I guess if it's been in the Bible for a few millennia, it's probably been a common problem for a, a really long time. And and the fact that God chose to, to put in there that he rested and he, he took the time to enjoy what he had done, uh, sets an example that, you know, who, who am I to, to overrule that? You know, if God needed rest, who am I that I don't, right? And so I think that that just absolutely speaks to the necessity of, of rest for all of us uh, when even when we get caught up doing everything else. 
As far as the order goes, uh, you know, this isn't a fully fleshed out idea, so you guys feel free to, to contradict me, but it feels like each day is a little bit more complex than the last day. And I don't want to say that God is like learning how to do new stuff. I think he, but you know, he's just like, he's breaking things down into component parts. Like day one, he separates light from dark. And then day two, he's like, well, let's, let's separate like earth from things outside of earth. Uh, and then day three, he's like, all right, well, let's, let's break down what's on the earth into le- land and sea. And then day four, you know, he's like, well, let's, let's make the times worth Makes something. Sense, it makes yeah. sense. So, and then, uh, day five, he starts creating like creatures or well, I guess I should go back to day three. He, he does fruits and vegetables and other green plant like things. Day five, uh, he does, uh, Creature, all the creatures in the in the sea and all the birds in the sky, and then day six he starts with like the big land mammals, you know, and and human beings, of course, the most the most complex, or at least mentally the most complex. Uh, and then day seven he creates a concept. He doesn't create a physical thing. He creates the first idea of in, enjoy that day, rest, take a break. It's not really like a thing. It's just a, a concept, which I think is a, even a little bit more complex than creating the first six days. Like I said, it's not it's not like a fully fleshed out idea. So feel free to comment. No, I hadn't. I had never thought about it like that. I know that I've, you know, re- I, as much as a lot of people are gonna say, oh well, you know, scientifically, sun and moon did not come after whatever but the way the way that they pertain to time could potentially i mean if you look at at what physics says what you've got you know day one i mean you phrased it big bang light and dark that that's that probably is pretty accurate uh, as far as scientifically then separating out uh component parts of you know different parts of the universe uh you know forming the the blob that is the earth (laughs) Day three, putting it, making it such that time makes sense. So, you know, the blob that would become the Earth wasn't spinning in a 24-hour rotation the whole time, right? And then going, saying that the that the animals of the sea came before the animals on the land is impressively accurate. Yeah. And then people last is also impressively accurate. And I've never thought about putting yeah, it a concept. Yeah, kind of follows at the, the idea of evolution, actually, right? Because I mean the 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 evolutionary data suggests that you know algae grew into uh sentient not sentient but like single cell organisms and then uh you know eventually like fish and stuff and then fish grew legs and fish became you know amphibious and i mean it's it's kind of interesting that it actually does follow sort of a darwinistic timeline not not a timeline because it's only seven days but uh that's the big complaint, right? From is the one days. to six. Right. And so that was one of the questions I wanted to point out that I've heard often in this thing is, do you really, is it really six days or seven days or um, is it much longer? And I think that's a common debate between different churches, between different people within churches. Um, but if the sun didn't exist until the third day, then what was a day before that? <laughs> <laughs> or, or you know, <laughs> well, and, and also I would say just to, going back to like some of the classes that I had, you know, in my religion studies and stuff like that. I 
the story I I don't think is meant to be literal in you know days per John's obvious statement before how do you measure days without a sun, <laughs> but also because if you read Genesis two, which the story that we're reading in uh, the church right now doesn't exactly break it down the same way, but if you read chapter two, the the order that things are created are completely different. So if you read chapter one, there's seven days and each one each thing is done a certain way, and then you read chapter two. And the earth is there first, and then there's water, and then there's the man, and then the stuff is brought to the man. So these are these stories are typically, it's not so much important, especially if you look at like Eastern religions a lot of time, the exact physics of it is not so much as important as this is saying God created it. It's, yeah, it was never meant to be a how to create the earth in six easy right, steps. Right, exactly. It's like you, you can't, right, you can't take this information and go out and make the planet. That's not the important part. The important part is there's a God, he made the earth, we broke it down into seven days because our calendars, even at that point, had seven days in them. And the, the answer I've always given is if God is supposed to be timeless or outside of time, and at this point it's only God, what is a day of God's time? Right. Yeah. And, you know, we've always got the... There's another Bible passage somewhere that says 10,000 years or but a day and and so on and so forth. But... I really do think in similar uh, similar fashion to what Will was saying that uh, if you look at the take take the the first five books of the Bible and who they were written for who who they were written by I mean the first five books of the Bible are typically attributed to Moses having written them down being passed down orally before that Moses wrote them down after leading a formerly enslaved Israelite nation out of Egypt so. If you have a bunch of former slaves, probably not widely educated, and you say 4.2 or 14.2 billion years ago, the universe as we know it was a singularity that randomly suddenly expanded outward and all. Obviously, that doesn't make any sense. It's to, also like not important at all. And it, yeah, it's irrelevant like, to you, the point. You don't care if you just got out of Egypt how it was. You just want to yeah. know there's a God, he's my God, and he did and it. And he made it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There's a God, he's my God, and he's powerful. Okay. Yeah, yeah. His, his means and methods, above my pay grade. Don't worry about it. He just did it. Right. The question I've always had is, I, I don't know, this, this is kind of a stupid question, I think, but... Um, just because it did take 14 trillion years or whatever, that doesn't mean that it, he couldn't have done it in six days because all-powerful, right? I mean, so then that, I don't know, I guess that makes me ask the question, was he, like, learning over time or was not learning, not not necessarily evolving, but, like, was he like, oh, this is fun, I have light now. And then he was like, you know, it'd be great is if I added this thing, you know, like, well, I mean, it's probably more complex than that, but I would say, yeah, it probably is more complex than that, but <laughs> it's a 30 minute podcast, people. You can't get all of the answers, <laughs> but like Carrie was saying, comparing uh, creativity or God's creativity and comparing it to human creativity. If you're doing a painting, you may start with, oh, this looks good. And then you start to go, oh, let me add this here, and let me add this here. And kind of like you were saying with breaking it down into components, you might start with, all right, let me do the land, 
Let me do the sky. Broad strokes and right. then details. Now I'm going to break apart the, the land into trees and sand. Just like Bob Ross does it. Just like, <laughs> just like Bob Ross does it. And also the idea of trying to tease out the the motivations of a all-knowing, you know, God. I mean, I, I, I love uh, speculation for sure, talking about trying to figure out, you know, the thoughts and stuff, but... It, I don't think it's possible to really tease out the the things that motivate an all-knowing God. They're they're fun thought experiments, but I don't think we're ever going to figure out exactly. So why did God do this or why did He do that? I mean, it'd be like trying to explain to the Israelites how he, you know <laughs> yeah. how He created uh, the planet. It's we're just not on the same level um, as that. Um, but it is fun to think about. Now we've thrown out a few things that uh, someone who's maybe not as familiar with the church may not necessarily automatically jump to the idea of an all-knowing God or an all-powerful God or a God that's outside of time. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you guys just quickly, which I know will be hard, uh, try to speak to that a little bit just to give people an idea of why we might even say some of these things? I think the all-powerful might really tie into this story to some extent, but um, I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on any of that? Can we sum up all-powerful in 30 minutes? I. So what's the one word for all-powerful? Is all-powerful not the word? Omnipotent. Omnipotent. It, it's the omnis. God is, John got one, omnipotent. Omniscient. Omniscient, omniscient which, which means is... knowing everything. All-knowing. Omnipresent. And, and omnipresent, Everywhere which at the same time. Correct. So for all of our people who may not be familiar with church, those, those are three real good church words that you got right there for free. And I'll be honest, as a, an engineer that's had a lot of science and engineering classes, all three of those things really throw my mind for a big old loop, and I struggle in a big way with them. Because you can know a lot of stuff. You can never even know, like, 1% of the stuff. Even if you are, like, the person that knows the most stuff, you still can't know more than, like, 1% of the stuff. And the more stuff you know, the more stuff you realize you don't know. That is correct. We've talked creation a lot, so do, do we want to move on to like the Noah story? Or it's probably a good idea with yeah, the time we, we got yeah, left. Yeah, we only have a little bit left, so let's go ahead and talk about Noah. That's a that's a good story. It's a good so it's a good church family friendly kids story, right? Let's kill everybody. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so wait. Carrie talked about hitting the reset button to uh, solve all the problems that God was frustrated not happy with uh, the sinful nature of people and what was going on. And so he pressed the reset button. He flooded the earth, and we had the story of Noah and Noah's Ark, uh, which I think even people who don't necessarily grow up in the church may know a little bit about that story. Mm -hmm. Um, But can one of y'all give a 30-second summary of what that story is? So, yeah, all the people on on earth had had gotten quite bad. and God said, "Man, this this hurts. I don't like it. Let's let's restart the whole system." And uh, there Best was way to do that. Have you yeah. tried turning it off and on again? Yeah, yeah. Good, good. That's IT. exactly what I thought about when we, I was watching the the sermon. Was it's kind of like my computer. Things start not going the way I want. I'm just gonna turn it off, turn it back on again, and see what happens. Absolutely. So there was there was one man in his family that that were good, righteous people, a man named Noah, and God said, hey, Noah, uh, things are about to get bad. You might want to build a boat. Uh, he did, much to the uh, amusement of everybody around him, and then sure enough, once the boat was done, uh, the boat's called an ark, uh, it started raining, and uh, the flood then wiped out everybody that was not on the ark, and that was Noah and his family, and then two of every animal. 
Um, and then, uh, after the flood was over, God said, uh, I don't want to do that again, and I will not do that again. And as a sign uh, of this promise that I won't do it again, here is a rainbow. And that's Noah's Ark. So, good summary, John. <laughs> that uh, could have been your 60-second summary. <laughs> well, I think it was longer and something that was, yeah. I kind of wanted to <laughs> am. <laughs> so, something that was interesting that I thought whenever I was listening to Carrie, I, I hadn't read the story in forever, but I always... You know, assume you know things that you think happen that the, it went. You know, and God put a rainbow in the sky to remind people of His promise. Um, but the, what Carrie said, and I'll have to go back and read it, was that God put the, a rainbow in the sky so that every time He saw it, He would remember was His. He prom- God or was He Noah? I thought she meant Noah every time got, Noah. Got to see it. if the H is capitalized. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, that was just a question I have in a while. John is using our handy dandy Bible here. Um, I actually had something else I wanted to uh, put out. Um, the Another churchy word that was brought up at this time was the word covenant, mm-hmm. which often comes up as a, a covenant with God. Mm-hmm. And so uh, could one of you, while John is looking that up, could one of you explain what a covenant is? Well, covenant is a covenant with God is actually redundant because a covenant is a promise between God and another party or another party set of parties. So, like, a marriage is a covenant between the bride and the groom and God. It's a promise that the bride and the groom make to each other and to God, which is what makes it a covenant. Yeah. In this case, God made a covenant, which is a promise that God makes, to everyone that he would not destroy the earth a second time. Which we appreciate. And Very I, much so, says we live here. God is talking, when I send the clouds, the rainbow will be seen in the clouds, and I will remember my covenant. I've never noticed that aspect of the story. How about them figs? Instead of how about them apples? Yep, Get it? good call. Yeah. So yeah, so I, I noticed that, and I was like, that's the first time I've ever noticed that. God wow. put some. so God had a stick-it note. I've learned something. Which actually, okay, so circling back to omniscience real quick. Yeah, you don't really need a stick-it note if you're omniscient. Right? Okay. Just make sure I'm not the only one that caught that. All right. You heard it here on What Did I Just Hear? Rainbows are God's sticky note. <laughs> that he doesn't need. And uh, how about them figs? How about them figs? Um, with that, we're going to wrap it up. And until next time. Today, my friends, brothers and sisters, may we go into our lives, into this day, into this week, into every moment, remembering God said, we are good. God enjoys us. That that there's a special relationship that God has with you. A special purpose for your life. And that God promises that even when we fail, never again, that it's all about his faithfulness and not ours. So may the rainbow be our reminder and may we go being enjoyed by God and enjoying him. Amen.